We are uh, in a, uh, a book study for at least the next 12 weeks. This will carry us through uh, our summer months before we get into the fall. And uh, we're going to be going through the book of James. And um, Jane, well, there's a child that's excited about going to children's church this morning. All right, have a good time. Do we have the, the title of our sermon series up there, uh, Steve? James, uh, Faith in Motion. You know, when we uh, look at the book of James, it's uh, it, we we question maybe you know that uh, our salvation isn't just by faith alone, but it's it's about works as well, and uh, and that's not true. Salvation, we we don't have a works theology when it comes to our salvation. Salvation is purely by faith through grace, the, through the grace of God. But, uh, you know, Jesus shared some words in Matthew chapter 7. He said that uh, you will recognize them, you will know who the followers of God are by their fruit, by the conduct of their lives. By, by watching them, we can glean, we can learn the motive of people's hearts and lives, that you'll know who the Christians are by their love for one another. So when it comes to our faith, yes, it is to um, influence not only our character, our heart, but also our conduct and how we are to live our lives. And and that's what James focuses on in this in this great book of the New Testament. To how our faith is to be lived out in our everyday life. And uh, as we open up this book this morning, I want us to look first at um, who is James? Uh, James says in, in verse 1 of chapter 1, James, a servant of God of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. I don't know if you know this or not, but James is the half-brother of, of Jesus. Um, uh, Mary and Joseph, um, when, as they were um, growing their family, uh, we know, learned that uh, Mary was conceived as, as a virgin. Uh, she didn't have sexual relationships with Joseph. And if you look at the background of the uh, the the theology of the Catholic Church, they believe that uh, Mary was a perpetual virgin. But if you read the New Testament, we, we learn that uh, Mary had other offspring other than, than um, Jesus. Uh, Mary or Joseph had, uh, Mary and Joseph had uh, uh, children, uh, uh, boys and, and girls, sons and daughters, uh, Jesus wasn't the only child. And in fact, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 55, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother, mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And so um, Jesus had other siblings, and uh, as we read in the in the Gospels and uh, Jesus's family, Jesus's family had a hard time believing that 
Jesus was the Messiah. You know, they didn't, uh, they, they, they had a hard time wrapper, wrapping their minds around the fact that Jesus was God. You know, that he was born and raised in their family. And uh, brothers and sisters had a hard time with this. You know, uh, and just uh, put yourself in their shoes for a minute. Jesus was a perfect child. You know, and uh, and the the more the, the 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 better behaved Jesus was, just created more animosity for the other siblings. I mean, how do you how do you how would it be to live around a person who is perfect all the time that never makes any mistakes? You can imagine that uh, you know brothers and sisters had a really hard time with that. Think of Mary for a moment. You know, I wonder if Mary ever said to um, her children, why can't you be more like Jesus? <laughs> you know, I'm sure that uh, added to the, the negative feelings uh, about their brother uh, growing up. But, um, but after Jesus gave up his life on the cross... After Jesus was resurrected from the grave, his family's heart, hearts were transformed. Um, as we look at the life of um, James, you know, after the resurrection, Jesus, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 7, then he appeared to James, referring to Jesus. You know, when Jesus rose from the grave, he went to his brother, showed his brother that he was alive again. And his brother, who, was, who struggled with the identity of his half-brother Jesus and his earthly life, this transformed the heart and life of James for the rest of James' life. And James became a leader in the Jerusalem church. In fact, James was the head of the church in Jerusalem. When Paul uh, was converted to Christianity, and uh, uh, he had been in the desert learning the things of Christ uh, for those three years following his, uh, his, his conversion, uh, Paul went to Jerusalem. And in Galatians chapter 1, verse 19, uh, Paul says this, I saw none other, none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. Paul went to James and uh, because James was a person of great influence over the Jerusalem church. When, when, when um, uh Christianity was going beyond the boundaries of the Jews and in beginning to influence the Gentiles. And there was a struggle in the church and some decisions needed to be made. Should Gentiles be circumcised? Should Gentiles observe the food laws of the, of the Jews? Uh, there was a council that took place in, in Jerusalem. And in Acts chapter 15, we see uh, James overseeing that, that council. 
And so James was a significant uh, personality in the New Testament following the resurrection of Jesus. And Jesus' resurrection transforms. We see that Jesus' resurrection transforms people's hearts. And as we read in the book of James, James never identifies himself as the brother of Jesus. Go back to James chapter 1 again. James says, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he doesn't push his weight around. He doesn't try to influence people by saying, hey, I'm, I'm Jesus' half-brother. No, James identifies himself as a servant, as a slave of Jesus Christ. And Jesus, his Lord and Savior, his, his half-brother, but his Lord and Savior is worthy of his fellowship. And so... James considers um, this office, uh, this position he has of the highest privilege because of what his brother has done in his own personal life. So that's a little bit of background. These words that we're looking at this morning are the words of Jesus's half-brother. And so that's significant. You know, if, if Jesus's life would would um, transform a half-brother. I mean, there's got to be something about this person, Jesus. I mean, I would never be able to convince my brother that I was the Messiah. There's just no way. But for James, he was convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt. And so in in... <clears throat> In knowing Jesus, um, yes, when it comes to salvation, salvation is 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 um, is by faith in in the Lord Jesus alone by the grace of God. It's through faith that we're saved. But when Jesus saves us, it's going to make a difference in how we live out our lives. And so we're going to be looking at several different uh, issues of how Christianity, our faith, plays out in our everyday life. And the first topic we're going to be looking at this morning is trouble. Okay, trouble. And this is the truth I want us to to, uh, hold on to, that living for Jesus involves living with trouble. Just because you come to Christ doesn't mean that it is always going to be smooth sailing. Christianity is not that way. I've heard some pastors, and I've said this, that the the safest place to be as a Christian is in the center of God's will. How, How many have heard that before? How many have heard me say that before? You know what? That's not true. Oftentimes, the most dangerous place to be is in the center of God's will. And if we have the mindset, you know, that if the safest place, well, when trouble comes your way, 
you're going to be disillusioned. You're going to be, you're going to get discouraged and depressed. Trouble, when it comes to the Christian life, is a way of life. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, that we're to live obnoxious, you know, prideful lives that bring trouble into our lives. I mean, that's that those those nutcases in Kansas, you know, Westboro Church, you know, sometimes gets on the news, you know, they pride themselves in the trouble that that God brings upon them because they're living their lives uh, according to the truth. Uh, I'm not talking about that kind of lifestyle. Yeah, that's not the, the the trouble that that happens in their lives are their very own fault because they are being jerks. That's not Christianity. But when we're living our lives for Jesus, church, there is going to be trouble. Jesus said in John chapter sixteen, verse thirty-three, in this world, you will have trouble. And so the application that I want us to walk away here with this morning is this. If we want to experience God's best, we must learn how to live positively even in times of trouble. And that's something I struggle with. You know, when I'm having trouble in my life, positive thoughts aren't the first thing that are coming into my mind. Am I communicating here? Okay. Uh, you know, I, I can think of a lot of negative things um, that come in, that are in my heart, that come out of my, my mouth because of trouble that comes into my life. But James is uh, pointing out to us that we need to look for the positive when it comes to trouble. I came across this um, Facebook post uh, this this last week, and uh, this is uh, descriptive of what I'm talking about when I, when I think of uh, uh, being positive in trouble. You know, I promised myself I'd lose 40 pounds this year, only 50 to go. That's being positive, okay? And James wants us to be positive. He wants you to be positive. Look at verses 2 through 4. James says this in chapter 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish Finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So when it comes to trouble, Christian, you need to learn to be positive. I need to learn to be positive. How we go about doing that? Well, we need to remind ourselves that that, uh, when it comes to trouble, it's not an option. It's going to happen in all of our lives. And when trouble comes, it's seldom convenient or predictable. It's seldom. Oftentimes, it's inconvenient. You weren't expecting it. You were 
blindsided. And, uh, and so we need to just be prepared that it can come at any moment. It's never, you can't predict it, and it's never convenient. And it comes in all shapes and sizes. Okay, it's not just some neatly wrapped um, box. It comes in all different shapes and sizes. And number two, when it comes to trouble, it has its pluses. Okay, if we're going to be positive when trouble comes our ways, we need to know that trouble has its pluses. How does trouble have its pluses? Have its pluses. Number one, it increases our faith. Okay, trouble can increase your faith. Look at verse 2 again. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Your faith is has the opportunity to grow stronger through trouble. You're, you're, you're building muscles when it comes to faith. You have an oper- one more opportunity to trust, to trust God to grow stronger. Are you growing in your faith? When trouble comes your way, that's an opportunity to exercise faith. And that's why we can count it joy because we can grow in our faith. I've been sharing with you the fact that, uh, you know, Susan Susan and I are doing a lot of walking these days. You know, when we first started walking around our block, uh, there's a particular point on Mahan Mahan Street that uh, it's a hill. And in the early days of those walks, it was a big hill. And I remember, we remember, you know, how re- we relieved we were when we got to the top of the hill. And you're thinking to yourself, you know, I drive on Mayhem a lot. I don't, I, there's no hills, Pastor, on Mayhem. Trust me, there is a hill on Mayhem. It's just a very little incline, but when you're walking and it's walking is new to you or exercise is new to you. It's a significant hill. And we were so relieved to get to the top of the hill. But, but the more exercise that Susan and I were doing, that hill became less and less significant. And when we threw other trouble into our routine, like we would go walk up in Rodemacher Hills, or we would take that new path up to uh, the the junior college, and we exercise our bodies more on more in more difficult um, uh, paths. When we walk the block again. We didn't even feel feel that hill. That little hill was nothing. Why? Because we continued to grow. We continued to get stronger. And that's what it's like in our faith, church. 
James says, consider it pure joy. Trouble is an opportunity to persevere. Trouble is an opportunity to exercise faith that you might grow stronger. And again, trouble comes in all shapes and sizes. Some trouble is a little bit lighter than other types of trouble. But when we're faithful and the little trouble and the bigger trouble comes our way, our faith is prepared to consider it pure joy, to believe and trust God. And so... Trouble has its pluses. It can increase our faith. First Peter 1 Peter 7 says, These have come, these problems, these trials, so that, so, so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which, may, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may prove, be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor when Christ is revealed. That's the kind of faith that God wants in our hearts and lives to be on display when the storms of life are coming. That's why I wanted us to sing that song one more time. When trouble is in our lives, in your life, may his praise be ever on your lips. My friend, when his praise is ever on your lips, regardless of the circumstances, your faith is growing. You are maturing. So it grows our faith. The second plus about trouble is that it builds our character. Verse 4 says that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. When trouble comes your way and it knocks you down, I mean, you're one that's going to get back up and you're not going to quit. You're going to quit, keep going. How many have uh, heard of Eric Dickerson? NFL football player. Okay, everybody 45 years and older are raising their hand. Okay, I'm feeling old. Eric Dickerson used to play for the Rams, and uh, he holds the um, the uh, the rushing record for a season. He 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 rushed for two thousand one hundred and five yards in one NFL season. Uh, he would he carried the ball every time he carried the ball that season. That was in nineteen eighty four. Uh, he would carry, his average was 5.6 yards per carry. Do you know how many miles is 2,105 yards? 1.2 miles. Eric Dickerson ran for 1.2 miles the whole NFL season. That doesn't sound like very much, does it? You know, he was paid millions of dollars to run 1.2 miles in 16 NFL games. Wow. 
But how did he run those miles? He, he ran those miles with 11 humongous guys, you know, running after him and tackling him with the ball. Every 5.6 yards, he was knocked down. But when he was knocked down, guess what? He got back up and kept going. You know what? Trouble is going to knock you down. But we are not to stay down. We are to get back up. We are to persevere. And when we persevere, when we hang in there, our character, our inner man grows. We are stronger in our faith and um, life is not going to get us down. So it builds our character. Trouble, number three, enlarges our usefulness. God's going to use you as you persevere. God doesn't use quitters. God uses people that keep going. And when you keep going, guess what? You're going to run into people who are going through similar trouble. And if you're faithful, if you're trusting the Lord Jesus Christ, guess what? God's given you a testimony and you're able to convey to others who are going through similar trouble. You know what? I know what you're going through. I've been there. I've done that. And you can be an encouragement to somebody else. One trouble that uh, Susan and I had this last week was our hot water heater um, broke. It started leaking. We couldn't use it any any longer. And, uh, well, that was a pain. Well, it's not too much of a pain in the, in the desert, okay? If your hot water heater breaks, how about this for positivity, okay? If your hot water heater breaks in the middle of summer, it's not that big a deal because water is warm coming out of the tap, okay? But it's still an in, in inconvenience. And uh, praise God that I have a son-in-law who's a handyman because, you know, that's why I'm in the ministry, okay? Because I don't know how to fix anything. Uh, but I have a son-in-law that knows how to fix things and to replace things. And uh, so Pastor Patrick helped me replace, um, or no, I helped him replace the hot water heater yesterday. But you know what? I learned something. I know how to replace a hot water heater now. You know what? And if someone else, hot water heater uh, goes out, I might be able to do that. You might probably want to call somebody else because, you know, my work isn't going to be guaranteed. But I do have an idea, an inkling, how to replace a hot water heater now. You know what? When we go through trouble, when we exercise faith, um, we're going to learn some things. And we're going to be able to pass on some things to others who are going through similar situations. Now, what does that mean, though, as a church? As a church, as, as a life group, 
we've got to be willing to be vulnerable, transparent with the others in our group. Okay? And let me just say this, church, and I learned this from Susan uh, yesterday, the day before. Um, Life isn't always Facebook fantastic. Life isn't always Pinterest perfect. Okay? Life has stuff that we all encounter, that we all go, go through. And so let me encourage you not to always come across as a perfect person because nobody's perfect and we all have trouble. And as we're honest, as we're transparent with each other, guess what? We're able to share what God has done in our life to get us through a tough time. God wants to use you. But to use you, you got to be real. And I hope, I hope that your life group is real with each other. And if that's, if that's a difficulty, I mean, if that's risky, we'll spend some time getting to know each other. You know, and my, my, my challenge is who's going to be first to be transparent? Because as you open up, guess what? It's going to open up a can of worms and others are going to be transparent as well. But God wants to use us in each other's lives. And then last, uh, trouble can lead to fulfillment. James chapter 1 verse 2 says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Blessed is the man. Happy is the man. We don't experience that if we're lashing out at God when we're in trouble. The plus side of trouble is that you have the opportunity to trust him, to worship him. God has created every one of us in this room with a God-sized void. And we try to fill that void with lots of different things but it never measures up. It never, ever satisfies. But if we live the kind of lives where we're saying his praise will ever be on our lips, James says, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Happy is the man who trusts God. And you will live the fulfilled life. So trouble, church, has its pluses. And again, it's real easy to think of all the negatives when trouble comes into our lives. But we don't grow that way. We've got to see the positive side. Like that little kid. I've got 50 pounds to go, okay? I'm stubborn, but I'm going to get there. That's the way 
God wants us to live our lives by faith. So what is the appropriate response when it comes to trouble? James chapter 1, verse 2 says, Consider it pure joy. Joy. Does that mean that I'm just to wear this fake smile on my countenance when I'm going through pain and be a phony? No, you need to be real. Joy joy isn't the absence of sorrow. Joy is not the 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 absence of tears. But joy is knowing the presence of God in the midst of pain. That God hasn't abandoned you. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. God is testing me. I am his child. And he has a purpose with this pain, this sorrow in my life. My faith is going to be increased. By faith, my faith is going to be increased. And so I am going to be a person of peace, of joy. God is in control. Is that, is that where you're at right now in your trouble? Well, if not, then you know there's... There's room for improvement, for growth. All of us need to grow in this area. But consider it pure joy. That's the first appropriate response. The second appropriate response is prayer. Is prayer. Now, I'm not giving it to God immediately when I experience trouble. You know, in my mind, I'm trying to figure it out myself. Or in my mind, I'm complaining, you know, and I'm, I'm just focusing on me. But when we're going through trouble, James says we need to be praying. This is what he says in verses 5 through 7 of James 1. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind, that man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. First Thessalonians, Paul tells the Thessalonica church, pray without ceasing. We need to be people of prayer. And that doesn't mean that we need to be walking through life with our eyes closed, constantly praying to God. That's not what it means to be praying without without ceasing. But continually offering uh, breath prayers to the Lord. And oftentimes my breath prayer is, help, help. But I don't offer up that prayer until I'm at, the absolute end of myself, and God wants me to be offering up that prayer at the beginning. Because the Bible says, God wants to give us wisdom. And he will give you wisdom when you give it 
to the Lord. Immediately? Not necessarily. I, I wish it worked that way. You know, if, if God just immediately off answered our prayer every time we offered something up to him, I mean, he, he would be our bellboy. I mean, he would be our servant, and, and God would be living for us. Well, as we're praying, there's times where we have to wait, and we have to be patient, and trouble is still there, but he hasn't left you alone. And the positive of trouble is, God, you know God is using this in your life. But be people of prayer, that's the appropriate response, James tells us. The third appropriate response is humility. Humility. James 1 verses 9 through 11 says, The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position because God is for the lowly. God is for the person without. And God is going to lift them up, the Bible says. It goes on and says, But the one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. We know that full well in the desert right now. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. So even if you're a person of means, if uh, you have everything for the rich person living a humble life knows that, you know, it's only by the grace of God that he has these things in his life and these things are going to pass away. Whether you're poor or whether you're rich, James is saying you live a humble life. When trouble comes your way, Live a life of humility. As hard as it is, God's going to lift me up. Or as easy as it might be, I know that all these things are passing away. It's all about him and his grace in my life. Live humbly. Don't get angry with God. Your stuff, you can't be wrapped up in your stuff. They all come from God, and God has a purpose in it all. And then the fourth appropriate response when it comes to trouble is love. Love. Look at James 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to him. You know, when someone is putting you in trouble, the flesh wants to say, you know, I want to double the pleasure back to them. You know, we don't want to love at that, at that moment. You know, we want, we want to put pain on their life. But the Bible says when trials come our way, God is going to reward those who are loving him. 
Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. I don't love God very well when I'm going through trial. You know, I, I like to have a, a pity party. I like to, you know, focus on the person that's creating problems, trouble in my life. And I'm not loving God when I'm behaving that way. But if I choose love, you know, if I choose to to love those who are creating difficulty in my life, trouble. And I'm persevering through that trial by loving God, by loving others. James says, blessed will be that man. The appropriate response when it comes to trouble is love. Loving God because as I'm loving him, I'm going to be able to love the difficult person. God is going to give me the strength and the grace. That's the appropriate response. Love, humility, prayer, and joy. I don't automatically default to those things. Again, going back to the battle series my flesh wants to rise up and wants to gratify itself to think about me consumed by what I'm going through and James says Jesus says not everyone who says to me Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. Those who will enter the kingdom of heaven, you will know by their fruit, by their character, by their conduct. And not that our good works, our character, our conduct, that doesn't get us into heaven. But if Jesus has truly transformed our life when trouble comes our our way we're going to respond a certain way that will reflect the image of Jesus Christ and the foundation for this life is Jesus through faith the essential foundation is faith. Hebrews 11 6 says, and without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Are you going through trouble this morning? God wants to use it in your life in profound ways. But you've got to exercise faith. 
God wants to complete you. God wants to grow you. God wants to use you in other people's lives. And he will if you trust him. Faith in motion. That's what we're going to be looking at through the book of James. Next week, we will be looking at temptation. And I know that we can all relate to the area of temptation. God has a word for us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the the practical um, the practical words of James James's uh, book that God you inspired him with through the Holy Spirit. It sounds rather impossible to count it joy, pure joy, when trouble comes our way. God, I pray that you would prepare us for the trouble that comes into our life. And we never know when it's going to come. But may we be reminded that trouble has its purpose. And as a result, may your praise always be on our lips. Is that your heart's desire this morning? Ask God to help you. You're not there yet. None of us are there. Ask him to help you. To grow you. You need prayer with someone this morning? We're going to sing this song this morning of praise. If you're in the video venue or if you're here in this room but you need prayer, let me just encourage you to dismiss yourself and find one of us in the dining hall and allow us to pray with you. You might think, oh, that would be embarrassing. What are people going to think? Listen, we're here to encourage. We're here to say, been there, done that. We want to pray with you. Encourage your, you in your faith. Father, I pray that you would take this time of worship, be glorified, encourage hearts that are in our service this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Would you please stand with me, please?